Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RIA benchmarking study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors, such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RIA benchmarking study is just one of many ways they provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com. Welcome to the RA Edge podcast. This is Mark Bruno, Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa Connect. And we have a great episode lined up. This is our first interview with Focus Financial Partner. And I'm thrilled to have Regini Kodialam here today. Regini is a co-founder and COO at Focus Financial Partners and somebody that I'm really looking forward to getting to know over the next 20, 30 minutes here. So Regini, thank you so much for taking the time to join the RIA Edge podcast. Mark, thank you for having me here. Delighted to be talking to you. I'm really looking forward to this because I, I think with the platform and the history that Focus has, we can talk about just about anything here. Um, RIA Edge is obviously always focused on growth. We focus on M&A. We focus on organic growth, focus on human capital, and I'm pretty sure that you have a lot to add in each one of those lanes. But before we get going and we get into the focus store and we get a little bit more perspective from you on some growth opportunities in the market, well, I think everyone here you know, knows who focus is, if you wouldn't mind, could you just give a brief summary of your role within focus and just how you work across the organization and with focus advisors, please? Mark, I've been told I have to read a little disclaimer first. So I'm going to do that and then literally jump into answering your question. Is that okay? Not a problem at all. Got it. Good morning, everyone. Delighted to be here. Before we begin, I have to remind you that during the course of this podcast, we may make a number of forward-looking statements. I want to call your attention to the fact that focus results may, of course, differ from these statements. These statements are based on assumptions made by and information currently available to focus financial partners and involve risks and uncertainties that could cause the results of focus to materially differ from these statements. Focus has made filings with the SEC, which lists some of the factors that may cause its results to differ materially from these statements. And finally, focus assumes no duty and does not undertake to update any such forward-looking statements. With that, again, delighted to be here. Mark, back to your question as to what I do here. Like every entrepreneurial founder, and this should resonate with your listeners, you know, you got to play the role of chief cook and bottle washer and wear multiple hats, which I love to do, by the way. Multitasking and variety inspires me. But uh, to put it in simpler terms, about a third of my time is spent prospecting. We do M&A. About a third is spent with our partner firms. We take relationship management very seriously. And about a third of our time is spent with strategic initiatives, the focus headquarters team, innovation, shareholders. And like I said, every day is different. And I love that. That's great. Well, I asked when you read, we're going to read the disclaimer, if you could sing it perhaps as if it were an Italian opera, you didn't even try. I'm a little disappointed, but uh, thank you very much <laughs> for giving us a little bit of context here on what your role is. I think you know, with that, it helps our audience really get a sense for you know, the true areas of focus and the perspective that you have. Um, and I think there's so much going on in our space right now that you know I, I can't wait to get a little bit deeper in some of these areas. And, and maybe we could just start you know, on your role as an acquirer focus in the RIA space, because I think as I said at the outset, 
all of our listeners know who Focus is. Um, and in my mind, and having spent some time in the investment banking space here, words really matter. We hear the term aggregator and consolidator and professional buyer all the time. But how do you describe the role that Focus plays in our space in your own words? The mark Focus is a value-added investor in high-quality, growth-focused wealth management firms. Now, you can call us boring, or you can call us consistent, but in our 17 years of existence, ever since Rudy, Lenny, and I um, initiated this, this, this journey, we have always aspired to, wanted to, and worked towards being the partner of choice for advisors and their clients. So clearly, there are many acquirers, and uh, they all bring different flavors. So how would I differentiate what's unique about us? Maybe bring, you know, things to light with three things. One, yes, of course, like private equity and others, we do bring capital to the table. We provide monetization and diversification to successful founders of wealth management firms. Everybody does that. But then let me point out three differences. One, roll up is a four letter word of focus. What do I mean by that? We are not in the business of doing re-engineering. We are not in the business of acquiring firms we like, changing everything about them, and then wondering why we don't like them a few years later. We celebrate the boutique nature and the unique culture of RIAs. I love to say that when you met one RIA, you met exactly one RIA. That is what made them successful. That uh, is that's my line on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you and I are in sync then, but we celebrate that. However, we surround them with value-added resources, business solutions to help them run their businesses more profitably, efficiently, and client solutions to help them expand their client value proposition to help them with organic growth, client satisfaction, provide a more holistic experience. All of these, however, they choose to avail of if they want to. They remain the entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs that they always are, mm -hmm. and we don't charge for any of it. So it's not a vendor relationship. And in many ways, it is the same unconflicted relationship that they have with their clients. If it's good for you, it's good for me. We're also permanent capital. We're not going to come back in about five years like private equity and say, so how are you going to monetize me? So you can focus on running your business. You can focus on your clients. Let me give you a little story. My husband and I love to eat out. When he picks a restaurant, he will never look at the menu. The restaurant dictates the, men the food that he's going to order. He goes to a subway, it will always be the veggie delight sandwich. I'm the complete opposite. Whatever the restaurant, however many times I've been there, I will always look at the menu because it is not just about the restaurant. It's about me. That's the difference between us and others. If you go with any of our competitors, anyone, and I'm not trying to point fingers, it's just as fact. It's like my husband. You pick the restaurant and you go with what they offer. You already know what you're eating. With focus, there is a distinct menu because it is not just about us. It is about you. For larger firms, where founders want to take some chips off the table, but want to remain in control with value-added access resources, we have our direct deal. For firms, could be large, could be small, are looking for a succession, or advisors who are looking to join a larger firm to avail of their resources, we have mergers. And for firms that want to have that hybrid, where a founder may be looking to monetize, but the next generation may be looking to 
have control of the client experience, avail of resources, and yet not have the risk of entrepreneurship, we have connectors. So a, a small example to maybe highlight what makes us so unique. It's it's very interesting to hear you describe that uh, because I think I've probably talked with you know, 25, 30 different acquirers over the last you know, almost two years um, since we launched the podcast. And that's the broadest sort of set of capabilities you know, that I've heard to date. Um, and also just the way of thinking about it. Um, I, I love the restaurant and menu you know, analogy there. Um, I'll have the sales team pursue Subway as a potential sponsor for the RA Edge podcast after this. But um, it really, it does need to be all about, you know, your partner, the firm that you're acquiring and every firm is different and has different needs. Um, so I appreciate the way you've described that. I, I hope it helps our audience have you know, a, a true sense, you know, for the, the role that focus plays in the market. And you did touch on uh, one of the areas you know, that I was hoping to get into, which was just sort of differentiating or how does focus differentiate? Um, and I always ask the question, you know, what problem do you solve for? in the market. Um, but I would also just love to get a little bit of context on the history, right? Um, Focus has been doing this longer really than anyone in the space as far as, as yeah, I know. Um, that's true. You, you, you must have seen something in the market you know, when you first started this, right? That said there's real meaningful long-term opportunity here. So a two-part question for you. One, what did you see early on? And then two, you know, how has the role that Focus plays sort of, platform that you just described evolved over the last decade? Great. So in, in 2005, it really, Rudy, Rudy came up with this vision and mm -hmm. Lenny and I, when we heard about it, loved it. Um, I was at the time at American Express, as was Rudy, and, you know, marketing under the billion dollar budget of the blue box. And when you look at this industry, it is how amazing that you do something that you love, completely aligned with your clients. They love you and refer their friends and family to you. And you run an incredibly profitable business that remember this is 2005 is growing double digits without the M in marketing. Mm -hmm. It sounds like utopia, but when you peel back the onion um, and it is still true, you realize that it is a very fragmented domesticated industry. Most RAAs are owned by one, sometimes two founders, at least in 2005, that was really true, pretty much over, it's reduced now, but it's still very true. There are 18,000 firms out there with multiple RAAs being owned by just one or two people. They all had their own glass ceiling. At some point, they hit a point where they said, how do I grow next? What comes next? And succession was a real issue in the industry. In fact, the very success of these founders created that economic gap between them and their next gen, where either the founders had to give up on the value of their firms, very wrong for themselves and their family, or the next gen had to mortgage their first and second bond. And even then, that was not adequate. What happened? They ended up selling back into the same conflicted environments that they had run away from, decimating every promise they made to themselves, their employees, and most important, their clients. And we said, there's got to be a better way to do business. That's why we created Focus. We always wanted to be the partner of choice for advisors and their clients, where on one hand, 
they could celebrate the boutique nature of who they were, but on the other hand, a veil of things that usually come with scale. Succession planning is very much front and center of what we do. Seamless succession planning, seamless to clients, seamless to the core of the business, while providing and taking care of the needs of retiring founders, continuing founders, next gen who want to be partners, next gen who could be partners, aspiring new talent, and people who actually may not want to be partners. Satisfying all of that while helping them enhance the value proposition for their clients. So the best of both worlds. That was the vision. And that is still the vision. However, of course, we've evolved. In fact, we've evolved consistently over our existence. So when we started, I told you about the different forms of deals we did. We just started with direct deals. That's all we did. Mm. And as we evolved, we added mergers. Doing M&A, where we acquire firms on behalf of our partners. And then we started evolving our value-added services. First, we ramped up Focus Business Solutions. What is Focus Business Solutions? Help with marketing, business development, value proposition analysis, PR, lately social media marketing, center of influence, surrounding you with resources that can help you enhance who you are and create and spread your gospel to help you with organic growth. Two, we provide a lot of help with tech ops. We don't own any technology. We have no desire to do this. We are very, very steeped in the open architecture and everything we do. That being said, we have experts who help our partners figure out what is the best technology out there that is suited for who they are and how they serve their clients. And based on the fact that we have 89 partner firms, as you ramp up over our uh, the last 10 years of our existence, this has simply evolved into a science and an art where we are able to help them. It's not just helping them find the right resource. We end up, just based on our size, being one of the top clients of these people. We are able to help create customization, better training, and certainly better pricing for our partners. Recruiting. This is a people business. There really is nothing more important than that. Every asset is literally walking out the door every night. We help them with recruiting and talent management in a way that is usually not available in this industry, bringing resources, ideas that have been available in other professional services industries like accounting, like investment banking, like legal or the consulting, bulge bracket consulting that Rudy, I and Lenny grew up in to this industry which is attaining its own stride. And on the other hand, Focus Client Solutions, which came next in our evolution. And I have to say, I am so proud of it. Um, call it hubris if you like, but I do believe that nobody in this industry does value add like Focus. We are surrounding our partners with access to things, again, still open architecture that are usually not available to RIAs to provide a truly holistic client value proposition if they so choose to access to credit and debit facilities. This is not, I'm with Merrill Lynch and I can only go to Bank of America. This is, we will go out to 30, 40 different banks and find the best product for you. Trust and estate services. It is so important. Risk management, access to alternatives, which is not easy these days. And most important of all, I'll tell you what focus as it has evolved, as it has grown, brings to our partners, it is a fraternity. When you join focus, the biggest value add you're getting 
is the other partner firms and focus. It is an amazing fraternity and we all go to um, industry events. I love all of them, but this is different. This is not just an industry event. Our partner meetings are like Thanksgiving where you don't just share the good, but bad and the ugly. And there's an honest conversation that um, truly brings forth uh, a genuine sharing of content. In fact, it makes our ability to add value kind of easy. When you have 89 laboratories, you have to look, you have to learn, and you have to share. Yeah, that is uh, an amazing way to just think about what you've built over the years, you know, to have that many partner firms, to have that much visibility into what gets them out of bed in the morning, what keeps them awake at night, right? And then to be able to bring them together. Um, that Thanksgiving experience sounds a lot like my Thanksgiving experience, but in the end, right, the good, the bad, the ugly, it all comes, you come out better in the end, typically, right? Um, and you get a better result. You've created a community there. Um, and that only deepens not just the value proposition, but ultimately the value that you can deliver um, at, at the company level. Um, so I appreciate that. And I think one other thing that would be really helpful is I always ask you know, any firm that is an active acquirer to give a summary or a profile of what an ideal acquisition target looks like. Um, and there are a lot of different ways to answer that question. But given your history and how long you've been doing this for, I would love to get a sense, you know, what is the ideal partner for Focus now? And how does it differ from when you maybe first started doing acquisitions in the space? So the Focus partner firm, the ideal Focus partner is a fiduciary, client-centric advisor, advisory firm with a demonstrated history of success, very proud of who they are, but at the same time, willing to embrace what is available out there, leverage everything in the ecosystem to grow. That being said, I don't wanna tell you, um, there is a certain size not going to tell you there is a yeah. certain investment philosophy. I'm not going to tell you there is a certain uh, style or style box, geography, or uh, client segment. The Because over a period of time, across our three business models, we are able to accommodate the needs based on all of those differentiations that I mentioned. What we have never given up and never will is on the quality. The fiduciary, client-centric, demonstrated history of success, someone who embraces who they are, but wants to grow. You know, I, you know, I like to tell stories. Sincerely believe you cannot be Ritz-Carlton and Fairfield Inn, but there is a need for Ritz-Carlton and Fairfield Inn, and you can own Ritz-Carlton and Fairfield Inn, like Marriott obviously does. Mm -hmm. And there are synergies synergies and efficiencies that help the firm, the advisors, and the clients. That is literally what we have uh, tried to do. And you asked me about the difference between when we started. So if you talk to me in 2006, it would have been larger firms, firms with scale, firms with a quorum of partners who are looking to continue to run the firm the same way they did yesterday, complete entrepreneurial control because we only had one model. But as we grew, we evolved. As we had more direct partner firms with different flavors, we were able to create the opportunity for them to be platforms if they chose to. It's up to them to become platforms for mergers. Probably very familiar with Buckingham, with Colony. Uh, but as we evolved even more, in the last three years, we created Connectus. 
which is a hybrid platform for intrapreneur advisors. And with these three, today, I can tell you confidently that we are able to be the home for any advisor, advisory team. And in addition to these business models, I can absolutely talk about personal goodwill deals and recruiting, which accommodates individual advisors or smaller teams who may be looking to walk out of a wirehouse or a bank or an IBD. So collectively, again, I will go back to my restaurant analogy and say, it is about you, but it is also about me. The about me, about focus, fiduciary, client-centric, demonstrated history of success. Beyond that, we can accommodate your needs because we want to celebrate it. That's really helpful. And I, and I appreciate the Ritz-Carlton and the Fairfield Inn right, analogy, uh, because I think we always end up talking about restaurants and food on this podcast somehow. Um, but uh, <laughs> it really does sound more and more just like any of your advisors would be you know, building a more diversified portfolio for their clients. That's how you're thinking about it as an acquirer too. Um, so this idea that there is no you know, ideal size, right? Or ideal you know, investment approach. Um, I, I can appreciate where you're coming from there. Um, and it, it feels like, you know, to me, very familiar, right? Because this is how our audience on the podcast here today is approaching you know, all of their clients' investments too. Um, so I appreciate that color and context. I also, I mean, I want to take the opportunity at, while we have a lot of people that do acquisitions um, interviewed and as guests on the podcast here, um, very few, if any, have any exposure or experience in markets outside of North America. Um, so I, I'd be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to ask you about some of the work that you have done and are doing overseas, because you know I, I'm always you know very curious to ask you know, how relevant is the RA market and the model here when we look at other parts of the globe. Um, so just. From a focus perspective, I know you've been active, but what is your view on the opportunity for the RAA model to go global? So, um, first of all, let me preface this by saying Rudy grew up in Austria. I grew up in India and Lenny is a second generation Korean American. When we started focus, we always knew we were going to take it international. But let me be clear about one thing, not because we have to, because we want to. Sure. If there was ever a or, you know, in the equation where it had to be U.S. or international, I think we would stick to U.S. But we are big enough, large enough, capable enough to be doing both. And when we started looking at international, and again, it's an evolution as you grow, we looked at specific markets. We turned the ocean to say, what are those markets where you have Three things. One, scale. You can't go until there is scale. And scale defined as clients and advisors who appreciate the independent wealth management model. Two, we were looking for trends, regulatory trends, and I'll come back to that, um, demographic trends, age, the same trends in many, many ways that dictate consolidation of industry that's happening in, here in the US in other markets. And I know I'm gonna contradict myself by using the word consolidation and fragmentation in the same sentence, but we were looking for fragmentation. And what I mean by that is advisors and advisory teams sitting in conflicted environments, which were looking to walk out and set themselves up as independents mm -hmm. simply because of the same regulatory demographic changes. When we saw those three things, scale, 
consolidation trends and fragmentation trends in a country, we knew it was ripe for the focus model because all of the reasons that make us successful here were prevalent there. Is it different? Of course, every country is different. And we will never say this is not about taking the American way and force-fitting it there. This is about everything we do at Focus is about us, but it is about them. So every country has its own unique nuance, their own desires, their own needs, and we do that in a country-by-country basis. So today we are in the UK, we are in Canada, we are in Switzerland, and we're pretty big in Australia. And the intention is to serve them in exactly the same way we serve people here. You asked me if the RIA model is prevalent. The most interesting thing is if you look at some of these countries in many ways, whether it's 10 years, 20 years, 15 years ago, there are echoes of the US industry, smaller firms, growing, um, the exact same client needs evolving, the same advisory needs evolving. And from a regulatory perspective, it is really interesting whether you look at FAIR in Singapore, you look at FOFA in Australia, you look at RDR in the UK, you look at CRM2 in Canada, they all look like the Advisors Act of 1940. And guess what? All these regulations over the last 10 years have shaken up those countries, completely shaken up those countries, creating opportunity for people like Focus. Because guess what? Our entire business model was built on the foundation of the Fiduciary Act. And our entire business model is predicated to be client-centric. And so we were able to enter these markets successfully. Yeah, I... It's it's interesting to me because there are so many companies that I talk to that you know, maybe they have access to investment vehicles right um, in you know, international markets um, where that's part of their value prop, but they don't actually have financial advisors on the ground there, right? Um, and I know that the literal definition of an RAA you know might not translate in say Australia, um, but your take on just how you're looking for similar trends demographics um, is you know, really well taken here, right? You definitely see some of the early opportunities. Um, I don't know that you know, the RAA model has gone global quite yet, um, but you know, conceptually it seems like it does have the potential based on the problems that it can solve, right? Um, when you look at the advisor-client relationship. So I appreciate the context there and definitely looking forward to seeing and hearing more about your expansion plans in international markets. Um, I did just on the M&A side of things, I want to wrap up you know, with a little bit of more recent commentary and context for you. I, you know, I know that the M&A activity in the RIA space has been, or up until at least last year, um, every year you saw the headline at the end of the year, record levels of M&A activity in the RIA channel. Um, I wrote some of those headlines um, and I got bored of writing it because it was the same headline every year. Um, but I, right now, it seems like the, the M&A activity levels are at a different place. And obviously last year was you know, a, a very you know, uh, sort of uh, look back historically, a very challenging year, one of the most challenging years in markets in general, right? Um, how are RIAs, both as buyers and sellers, thinking about M&A differently today, right? As a result of the market that we're in now and all of the different changes in the global market set and the economy that have taken place over the last 12 months in particular? Great question. When I think of the situation here, I, I kind of, what comes to mind is a snow globe. You take a snow globe and you shake it. That's literally what the market changes, 
the interest rate, the inflation has done to the M&A market. But you know what, Mark? The snow globe settles. Things fall slightly in different places, but the big pieces stay where they are. And that is literally how I see the shift in M&A or lack thereof in what has happened. Has there been a big change in the market? Yes. Has Have things moved around a lot? Are people looking at things differently? Absolutely. But the core tenets of why consolidation and M&A have been such a strong trend still remain exactly the same. And of course, as you look at the DeVoe report, the Echelon report that just came out, you still see that maybe it's not the best M&A year, but it's kind of the largest M&A year. Maybe as many huge deals did happen, but a lot of smaller deals happen. Mm -hmm. So if you ask me from a seller perspective, it will settle down. Are they a little cautious? Are they trying to say, is my EBITDA a little depressed? Should I be selling at this point? Am I going to get the right valuation for me? That is a question they should be asking. But you know what? On the flip side, I was talking to an RIA who told me, Regini, I've got scar tissue. I lived through 08. I've lived through this. I think I need help go forward. So you have both things out of the yin and the yang. And we adapted to that. We've created sort of step transactions where we can buy some now and we can accommodate you based on growth, based on the market coming back in the future. Um, Everything we do adapts to the need of the seller. But when you look at the flip side of the equation at the buyers, that is also part of the same snow globe. But that is where I think, you know, when things don't come back the same way, the snow doesn't fall in exactly the same place, a couple of things shift here and there. I'm going to say we're going to see some change in aptitude, attitude, and appetite. There are very few buyers who have lived through something like this. It's Mm -hmm. been halcyon days for some of them. I mean, we lived through 08. We saw 18. But for some of the buyers, this is new. So it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, it's uh, the the market right now is incredibly interesting. And you gave a great example of... just the scar tissue, right? Uh, reference that you made before. Um, I think you do have a lot of people who are thinking about selling now, but not because they need or want an exit strategy exclusively, right? They need help. Um, they want a partner that can help them grow or grow faster, right? Um, so the drivers of m um, you know, the demographics are still there. Nothing's changed, right? Um, but I think some of the drivers, some of the motivators, and I think the track records um, of, you know, we don't talk enough about you know, with all the MA activity that's taken place. What do we know now that we didn't know three, four, five years ago about doing deals effectively? And really, how do we you know, create these synergies where one plus one equals more than two? Um, and I know, you know that is a big consideration for people who are looking right at a potential acquisition right now is how do I go from 50 to 100 miles an hour, but without having to do all the heavy lifting on my own? Um, and that actually leads me to to my next question here um, on organic growth. Um, you know, I, I know, you know it is something that is top of mind every time you're probably looking at a firm. That's one of the first things I imagine that you're looking at is like how quality is their growth rate? How are they driving and creating true and meaningful organic growth? Um, and I know there are a lot of firms out there that need help, right? Um, so for our listeners here today, um, knowing that creating meaningful, sustainable, repeatable growth at scale, you know, is now the holy grail in the RIA industry. Um, You see into hundreds of firms, um, but curious, I mean, what are some of the keys 
to driving high quality growth. And when you look at the firms that are doing it the best, what are they doing properly? Everything I'm telling you is what we have seen and learned from our amazing partner firms. In fact, our uh, chief marketing officer actually leveraged the uh, amazing um, experiences that we've learned from our partner firms to write a book internally uh, available at Focus to literally talk about how do you do this? How do you systematize this process? But a couple things. When we talk about organic growth, the first thing that comes to mind is new clients. But I would say it starts with retention. It always starts with your current clients and how good your value proposition is, how amazing your service quality is, how happy those clients are, because that is still very much the foundation of growth. Referrals from friends and family is still very much there. Then you layer on the fact you need to have a succinct, distinct value proposition. It is not just that you need to have it, but you need to know how to articulate it. And you need to consistently articulate it in a way that the entire firm can say it. More important, it is something that one of your clients should be able to say. Why do I go to RIAX? Because this is what he or she does for me. That is probably the biggest thing. Happy clients, good client service, who understand why they are with you. And once you can articulate it, that is the beginning of the magic. Two, you need the people. This is all about the right resources. And here is where it's different, right? For some firms, the advisor is the biz dev. For other firms, these are differentiated roles. There are people who dedicate their time to business development. And there are advisors who take their time taking care of existing clients. There are people who lead with investments and there are people who lead with planning and there is no right or wrong way to do it. But please, please make sure that you have people who dedicate time to doing it because if there is a third leg to this growth stool, retention, an amazingly distinct value proposition, the third leg of the stool is consistent and persistent focus on biz dev. Business development is a muscle. It is not something that you say, oh, I got two hours in the next week and I'm going to think about it. This is something you do all the time. And you put these three things together. But last but not least, there is so much happening in our ecosystem. Technology is providing you with tremendous opportunities. Leverage it, learn and evolve because there is so much happening out there. Being part of it is what is going to make you evolve and be successful. And in fact, I'm really proud of uh, the fact that we are um, doing a panel for you, Mark, at your conference. And I'm really excited to be doing this with the CEOs of Adapar, Opta Investments, and Luminary. We're going to talk of the RIA of the tomorrow. The RIA of tomorrow built for growth, built for client satisfaction, where you know, when you look at this industry, there is something that is changing. And I'm not talking about the market. I'm not talking about interest rates. I'm talking about demographics. Demographics of the clients. Your client base is changing. They are younger. There are more women. They're more diverse. Their needs are different. Whether it was COVID or what's happening in the world outside or their own personalities, they are looking for simplification. They're looking for consolidation. They're looking for personalization. You're also seeing 
convergence of banking and wealth. And guess what? More high net worth clients are tending towards the RIAs for their wealth management needs. Huge opportunity. The people, your talent working in the RIAs is changing. They are becoming younger. They are becoming more diverse. And guess what? My son doesn't think like me. They want tools. They want resources. They want you to give them efficiencies that enables them to do more. And we're not talking about chat GPT and people being replaced. Human beings will never be replaced in this industry. They will just be freed up to do more things, more face-to-face with client, more value-added services. So how do you leverage everything that is around you? The technology, that's why I love having it a part there. Trust in estate services because wealth transfer is happening. How are you going to leverage the plethora of investments out there and create the ability to create one key one across multiple uh, classes of assets that you have? How are you going to leverage all that to create the RIA of tomorrow that will become the destination of choice for clients and talent? That's literally what we're going to talk about. And it's all about growth. Regina, I was excited for your panel, the RA of the future, uh, which will be at our RA Edge event on May 21st at the Diplomat in Hollywood, Florida. But now I kind of can't wait to get down there, right? And hear you in that panel of you know technology CEOs, the CEOs you know, from across the wealth management ecosystem, really talk about not just what the RA firm of the future looks like, but all the different options that are available to RAs right now. I think we may take for granted just how much progress this space has made over the last five to 10 years. I think it could be overwhelming to look at all the different options and all the different levers that firm leaders have to drive growth right now. So we appreciate you taking the time in advance to join us in Florida, bring together that great group of people to help our community really understand just how far we've come and how much further we can all go together. So I appreciate you taking the time in advance. I appreciate you mentioning the conference as well. Regina, I probably could do this for like another four hours with you, but I know you're busy, right? So I won't keep you. Well, very good for my ego, Mark. But- <laughs> no, there's a lot to talk about. And you have you know, a really, you know, not only great history um, in this space, um, but obviously a great perspective and a great way to articulate you know, where you see you know, cracks in, and you know, also how those cracks could be opportunities, um, but bigger picture I think you've got a great vision, great perspective, and a great way of helping our audience think about all the different growth opportunities, all the different challenges that they're probably dealing with on a daily basis that could ultimately lead to more growth in the future. So, Regini, thank you so much for taking some time to stop by the RA Edge podcast. I appreciate it. Mark, thank you so much for having me. And uh, let me wrap up by saying both of us are blessed to be working in an incredible industry that is made up of such wonderful people. And thank you so much. Nobody really says that, right? But it's true. It's a great industry. It's no matter how large it gets and it gets larger, it feels like every day. Um, It's a small community. um, And the more people we talk to on this podcast, the more I realize people are genuinely motivated by solving problems for their clients, right? Um, To help them, you know, live richly, right? Not just die rich. Uh, and I think that that is absolutely something that you know comes across in the way you describe the problem that Focus solves in our marketplace. So thank you for sharing your perspective. Thank you for sharing your analogies too. Um, I, I don't think we've ever touched on snow globes, hotels, and restaurants in the same interview <laughs> here, right? Uh, but it, it helps. It really does. Uh, but again, Regine, thank you for stopping by and thank you to everybody for tuning in today and listening to the R.A. Edge podcast. Just a reminder again, 
The main event, Wealth Management Edge and RIA Edge, well, Regini will be speaking, will be taking place May 21st through May 24th at the Diplomat Hotel in Hollywood, Florida. If anybody would like to learn more or register, just go to informaconnect.com slash edge. And on behalf of the entire wealth management team at Informa, I'm Mark Bruno. Thank you, everybody, for stopping by the RIA Edge podcast. Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RIA benchmarking study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RIA benchmarking study is just one of many ways they provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com.